Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Second Take. Uh, we want to welcome you guys into the week three recap for our Sunday uh, football games. Always, don't forget, if you like what you're hearing, follow us on our Spotify. Uh, we're always releasing podcasts. Follow our TikTok. We're releasing shorter videos on YouTube if you're interested in looking at segments that we talk about. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel there as well. We appreciate uh, everyone who listens. And without further ado, let's get started with one of the record-breaking performances of the day. One of three teams in NFL history to score 70 points in an NFL game. Roland, what was going on in that Denver versus Miami game? Oh, Miami um, definitely put the beat down on your Broncos. Sorry to oh, say yeah. it. Uh, they just... They came out, and if you're if you're ever able in an NFL game to sub out your starting unit by the end of the third quarter, then that just goes to show, man. You're just on another level. I think they took a leap, at least in my power rankings to come. Uh, and they looked like the best team in football today. Uh, I would still maybe put San Francisco above them, but... It's hard for you to argue against this team because this team has a historically great offense already. In my opinion, it is the best offense that I have ever seen, and I've been alive for the 2007 Patriots, and I've been alive for the 2013 Denver Broncos. Um, so looks like a historically great offense, and they have a chance to be the greatest offense in NFL history. Yeah, I mean, after that game... Like I mentioned, only three teams have ever done that before. 72 is the record, and the fans were rooting for the Dolphins at the end of the game to kick another field goal to break it at 73. They didn't quite go with what the fans wanted, um, but this team proved a lot, not even on just on offense today. The defense only gave up 13 points. The other seven was on that kick return late in the game. But, you know, the defense was a little bit questionable. We weren't sure what they were going to do. Definitely showed they are more than capable on that side of the ball. And like you said, the Dolphins are the best offense in the NFL right now. And if they keep playing like they have been, they have a chance to be in, be a historically great offense. One of those offenses that we talk about and always remember, right? Especially, I give a lot of credit to Mike McDaniel. He's just so creative. We see a lot of stuff we don't usually see. And... They're just all over the place. There's no way. This team is definitely a true Super Bowl contender right now. There's no way around it. They um, they are right up there on that side of the NFL with the Chiefs. Yeah, we. I mean, we both had them number three in our power rankings heading into this week. I think they'll both move up. Um, and just to kind of give you some numbers to compare, right? So the three teams that everyone thinks about when it comes to the offensive side of the football – are the 2000 Rams, the 2007 New England Patriots, at least in my opinion, team that choked to the mighty Eli Manning in the Super Bowl, and the 2013 Denver Broncos, the first healthy season that Peyton Manning had with Denver. He was slinging the rock, his MVP year with them. Let me read off some stats to you. Okay, 2000 Rams, 33 points per game, 400 yards per game, they led the league in passing yards and total yards as well as points per game that year and were fifth in rushing. 2013 Denver Broncos, 37.9 points per game, 
457 yards per game. Led the league in both points, passing yards, and total yards per game that season. 2007 Patriots, 36 points per game, almost 37, 36.8. 411 yards per game, led the league in both passing and total yards per game. There's a common theme amongst these teams, right? However, after three games, the Dolphins, now granted it's only three games, have averaged 43.3 points per game. 550 yards per game, and they lead the league in both rushing and passing. None of those three teams that I listed led the league in both passing and rushing yards. So after three weeks, I know it's only been three weeks, so don't hate me in the comments. This is the best offense we've ever seen. So another common theme with all of these teams is they made it to the big game. So, it begs the question, does Miami really have what it takes to make the Super Bowl? I think so. I think they are now the favorite in the AFC. Yeah, Miami has more than what it takes to win the Super Bowl. I've been especially impressed with this team's ability to run the ball, right? Like I had mentioned in a previous episode, Moster has had a great year, great way to start the season. He had four touchdowns. And their backup running back today, who's a rookie, he also had four touchdowns rushing. And, you know, this offensive line, it's surprising because they didn't do much to improve it from last year. And everyone thought that was a big um, weakness in the team, especially with Tua getting his concussions behind that line. But so far to start the year, this group has looked much improved, a lot better, which I think has contributed a lot to that improved rushing game. And... I'm really excited for the Dolphins next week's game. They're going to be playing the Buffalo Bills next week. Big time. Big time matchup. Buffalo. Buffalo, the last two games, they've looked like they're back. And I think this is going to be one of those entertaining, higher scoring games. You know, you get Tua versus Josh Allen. It's uh, the best test the Dolphins have had so far this year. Yeah, I think that's definitely the game of the week next, uh, next, uh, next week. And... It might be the first time. I mean, New England tested this team a little bit, at least tested the offensive side of the ball. But this, I think, is going to be the first time that Miami has faced both an offense that's capable of keeping up and a defense that's capable of keep, capable of keeping up. Uh, the Chargers, a team that's definitely offensively equipped. They're the second-best offense in the league right now. Uh, but defense, I mean... You know, they've looked like trash so far, even though their personnel is better than what I think they're playing. Uh, Maybe it's coaching. Chargers are another story. Uh, And then today, the Broncos, I thought it would be a much closer game than it was. I think nobody thought a 50-point blowout was going to happen. But tomorrow or next week will be the first true test, in my mind, of both sides of the football for Miami. So, And to touch on your point of the rushing i think that is the most impressive part after week one i already predicted Tua would be the mvp of the league but i did not expect miami to run the ball as well um so yeah and another addition to that i believe that uh at least has helped them be able to run the ball um jalen waddle was out this week as well and they just proved even without one of their main dudes out they still have all these other guys who just step up and keep contributing, right? Like Tyreek Hill was super dominant. 
um, in this game, just like always. It's he's might be one of the top two receivers in the NFL at this point, right? Ever since he left KC, everyone's talking about can he do this? Can he do that? Can he keep it up with not the best QB in the league? And two is good, don't get me wrong, but he's been even better in Miami, even with all these weapons, and he wasn't able to do that in Kansas City. Yeah, he but production wise will probably be the best NFL wide receiver this season. Um, I had Justin Jefferson as my number one, and today he had a great game as well. I think you could honestly flip a coin between him and Tyreek Hill. They're on a different level, set apart by themselves. Um, Just because of the way that Tyreek Hill, I know everyone says it, is just able to get open with his speed. It's ridiculous how open he is all the time, and it makes it easy to throw him the ball. So I think that 2,000 receiving yards that he said he was going to get by at the beginning of the year, he might be undershooting it. So, oh yeah. Also shout out to anyone who was smart in fantasy football and decided to have Tua and Tyreek, that QB wide receiver stack. You're probably winning a lot of games right now. Just, just saying, you know, just throwing that out there. (laughs) Um, Oh yeah. And then another team that made some big news today, but for the wrong reasons. Um, a team that we've been really high on so far to start the season that we're looking at, uh, the Dallas Cowboys lost to the Arizona Cardinals. Now, Roland, is this anything that we should be too concerned about, or is was this just a small bump in the road, or are we looking at any long-term implications in this loss? The answer is both. So, um, there's always the case that you can make for games like this where the team just didn't get up for the competition. You know, the NFL is the NFL. Even though the Arizona Cardinals are actively and publicly tanking, uh, they still are an NFL team and still have NFL talent, somewhat at least. And if you don't prepare and you don't show up for games, you can you can get beat on any given Sunday. There's a valid argument there. It, Dallas looks sluggish, didn't look really super interested in this game. They got behind early. But the biggest cause for concern isn't that they lost the game. It's that their offense fall, has followed a similar trend in every game that they've played this year. And they haven't really played anyone of note yet. But every single game, they've been settling for more field goals than touchdowns, and their games have, or their and their offenses seem to stall out after having a pretty substantial, you know, drive. Their average drives are like nine, ten plays. They can get first downs. They can move the chains, but they either settle for a field goal or punt the ball, you know, and they have one of the worst touchdown scoring percentages in the NFL. They're in the bottom third of the league in red zone touchdown scoring percentage. And I just think their play calling and their offense has shown quite a bit, quite a bit of concern in spite of the fact that they have the playmakers to be an elite offense. Yeah. And just kind of a side note to that doesn't necessarily matter too much, but I believe the Cowboys have lost to the Cardinals in eight of their last nine meetings. And it's not like the Cardinals have been a powerhouse the last 
in recent memory, at least the last 10 years. Um, but as you mentioned, Dallas today, they were one in five in the one, four, five in the red zone and scoring touchdowns. Um, the red zone weakness that you mentioned feels like it might be the team's just overall biggest weakness right now. And it's something that could follow them for the rest of the season, right? I mean, a big part of that is they do have a new offensive coordinator this year, so they still could be getting used to him and his play calling. Um, and it's definitely a fixable issue, something they can change as they go forward, right? I know Brandon Cooks missed the first couple games, and he's back now, so he's still getting acclimated. But um, this is something that if the Dallas Cowboys keep struggling with to go to go on through the year, this would probably be the reason why they don't end up winning in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, Dallas going to Dallas. You know what I mean? They always get your Every hopes year. up. And they find a way to disappoint. So if it is going to be anything on their team, it's going to be their off the offensive side of the ball. The defense is too talented. I know the defense didn't play great today. Um, but the offense has got to do better than what it's done in the, the first three weeks if they really want to get to where they want to get to. Um, I bought in. I drank the Kool-Aid. I ranked them number one in my power rankings, and then they go out and lose to the Arizona Cardinals. So maybe, just maybe, you don't want to be ranked number one in my my uh, power rankings because it might be a curse. But all I'm saying is Dallas going to Dallas. And... If you're a Dallas Cowboys fan, I would be really concerned. I mean, after this game, and unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately for Dallas, they did lose Diggs for the year to an ACL. It's a big loss, which sucks for them. I mean, their defense is still elite. It's still going to be the best part of this team. Don't get me wrong. Uh, that's an injury. Well, it sucks to have him out. I believe they'll be be able to overcome that. And you know, don't get me wrong. I'm sure you still believe this too. Dallas is still looks like a top five team you know, throughout the start of the year, just three games in so far. Uh, but they're not looking as unstoppable as they did before. They absolutely murdered those first two teams, right? Giants, 40-point blowout. They really took it to the Jets. Jets did not look good at all. And th they played a team in the Cardinals who's probably a similar caliber to the Giants. And like you said, even worse, a team that likes to tank. And they didn't quite have it this week, a big big letdown and um i know they're playing the 49ers soon that game's coming up so that's something that they gotta gotta get ready for if to prove to themselves what they can really be yeah i mean i'm just surprised i'm surprised because i really thought this team was going to be different you know i called them as one of the two teams that will win the super bowl this year um and you know, I just I can't believe I drank the Kool-Aid. You know what I mean? I'm not even a Dallas Cowboys fan. I drank the Kool-Aid. You got me. You got me again, Dallas. So, I don't know. I'm kind of... I'm trying not to overreact. It's one game, but it's the Arizona Cardinals. Mm -hmm. And their offense, man, that just has not looked up to par with what it needs to be for this team's aspirations, at least this team's talent level, right? It, the amount of talent and playmakers they have on that side of the ball, 
they should be producing at a higher level than they currently are. And that's why I'm concerned, especially come playoff time. It's a one, one and done scenario. That's what makes the NFL so great is it's one game. Anything can happen. And if this team's going to show on the offensive side of the ball that they don't wake up for games like this, they can get got in a divisional round playoff game. Oh, 100%. So, and that, that also brings up, um, because, you know, offense, a big part of the offense is the quarterback. A lot of people look at the quarterback when an offense struggles or when an offense does really good, whether it's fair or not. Sometimes, um, you know, there's been a lot of questions the last couple of years about Dak Prescott. Can he be the guy for the Dallas Cowboys or not? Where would you personally rank him? What range do you put him in the QB rankings? Oh, probably like 12, 11. He might crack the top 10, but he'd be the last one in. I don't think that's very controversial. Maybe, who knows? Justin Herbert blew up, uh, that video blew up on me. So, I don't know. I'd probably rank him just outside of the top 10. If he's in the top 10, he barely gets in. Because, you know, who would you really rather have, him or Kirk Cousins? I know Kirk Cousins is the name I throw around. Who would you really ha- rather have? Kirk I, Cousins yeah, I think is having a better year. Those are two really comparable players. And I think, kind of like you, in that 10 to 15 range, in that range where, he's yes, he's a good QB and he's good, he's definitely someone who you'd rather have than over half the NFL. But is he that guy who can win you a chip or does your team just have to be that good around him, right? I think that's the biggest question with guys in that 10 to 15 range. Yeah, I mean, Kirk Cousins, that actually is probably criminally low. I think he's a, one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the NFL. He's probably like eight or nine. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't even, I'd pick Kirk over him personally, just production wise. So far this year, like Jordan Love is looking equivalent to Dak Prescott's production, right? Um, off the top of my head. I don't know. I mean, Matthew Stafford, I think, is having a much better year than Dak Prescott with much less. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're making Puka Nakua like the greatest receiver in football, you know what I mean? So Dak definitely isn't a guy that you win because of. He's not a guy you win in spite of either. So he's probably good enough to manage a football team. I'd pick, I don't know if it's system, because Kyle Shanahan has made every quarterback look good. Brock Purdy's having a much better year with similar caliber weapons. Granted, I think the offensive system there is one of the best in the NFL. So put Dak in a 49ers uniform and maybe has a similar year. But yeah, Dak's just outside of the top 10 for me. Uh, He's a quarterback that you don't win because of, but you don't win in spite of. He's just kind of there. So, yeah, he's a guy he can. Yeah, he's not going to be a weakness or a crutch for you. And he can win you some games sometimes, right? He can make plays for you uh, in a positive way. He usually does more oftentimes than he doesn't. But you definitely do have to have more of a complete team around a guy like him. If you're looking to compete, which it does feel like the Dallas Cowboys have and they are capable of. So as the year goes on, we'll start to see more and more. It's only been three.
three games so far. Let's just let's just put it this way: if if Dak Prescott wasn't in a Dallas Cowboys uniform, we wouldn't talk about him. If he was in not like, nearly as much, not at all, not nearly. Do we talk yeah. about Derek Carr? <laughs> Do we talk Almost about Jimmy never. G outside of the fact of how handsome he is? <laughs> like he's that kind of quarterback. Let's be honest. Yeah, maybe he's slightly better. I but think not he's better than point, both of those guys. Not, not, not to the point where we should really be talking about him that much. Like, he's just a, you know, he, he could be a game-managing quarterback. He can make some plays with his legs, you know. But with the amount of talent that Dallas has had over the years, he should have more than, does he have, what, a couple playoff wins? I can't remember. Yeah. Actually. I mean, they've never been to a Super Bowl and it comes down to it. And, you know, Dallas Cowboys kind of has that L.A. Lakers mentality when it's like championship or bust. And as you mentioned, Dak Prescott's just way more under a microscope because he does play for the Dallas Mavericks, whether that's fair to or Dallas Cowboys, not Mavericks. Wrong sport. But just because he plays for the Cowboys, um, whether it's fair to him or not, will you know, you know, it's just something you get playing for the Dallas Cowboys. Um, I do think he's better than some of the guys who you mentioned, but right, he he just he would be a guy though who we don't consider a superstar if he was outside of Dallas. Do sure. we con- do we consider him a superstar? Like he's definitely not in the top five. I you think can the way make an argument the, for a top ten, but I don't personally. Yeah. I have him like right at eleven ten. So I think that the way the media portrays him you would think he's a superstar qb i don't believe they talk about him like he needs to win he has a lot of pressure on his shoulders he has a lot of plays he needs to make and the team at times loses because of him just the way he's portrayed i'm not saying i agree with this or not but that's how i feel like a lot of the media people talk about him just because he is a dallas cowboy that's fair i mean any dallas cowboy gets more hype than most if not any other nfl team so especially the qb of that team yeah it's true tony romo great player definitely not as good as the media coverage he got when he was there right so yeah it's interesting i would have to break it down because the top five in my opinion are pretty definitive Mm -hmm. um and then you have herbert right there just outside of it and then everyone else, it's just kind of a crapshoot from f- like 15 to to 7. You know, you've got a lot of names. Aaron Rodgers, who's injured, right? If we're taking into account, you know, I, I would put Kirk Cousins above Dak. We have Lamar Jackson. To, Lamar Jackson's definitively up over Lamar, over Dak Prescott, not really even close. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, he's he's a quarterback that... Can win you games, can also lose you games, but not really the reason why you win or lose, ultimately. So, just kind of that game manager, like what we what, like what we think Brock Purdy is to the 49ers, even though he's having a fantastic year. That's how I look at Dak Prescott. You know, he's a guy that can make the right plays, but don't expect him to carry a team to a Super Bowl, like a Patrick Mahomes or. Joe Burrow, you know, I don't think anybody talks talks about him that way, but you know, bubble top ten 
quarterback. If you had him in there, nine or ten, I'm not going to gripe over it. He's probably right at number ten, in my opinion. If we had rankings, I'd have to look at it. But yeah, taking into account one of the guys who you mentioned, and speaking of QBs, let me let me just tell you how how I feel recently about the New York Jets and how mm. they're handling this Aaron Rodgers injury. So. The New York Jets, I believe, are handling the Aaron Rodgers injury incorrectly, right? They lost today to the Patriots, 15-10. to 10, Only scored 10 points. Only gave up 15, which usually wins you a lot of football games. Yeah. Uh, Zach Wilson, in this loss, he threw the ball 36 times. And as a team, the New York Jets only ran the ball 22 times, despite the fact that they have Dalvin Cook and Brees Hall on the roster. This team needs to run the football more. And when you look at it, Zach Wilson, he's not going to win you games. Speaking of QBs who can't win games, Zach Wilson is not one of those, right? The team has to run the ball. And it's not like they were scoring 30 or 20 points off of this. these 36 pass attempts from Zach Wilson. They only scored 10 times. So if that's what they're concerned about. I'm sure they could do much better running the ball. And I think the season's going to be a wash for this team if they don't figure out what to do on offense, especially with this super talented defense that they have, right? One of the ideas I was thinking that could potentially fix their season, there's another team that's gone 0-3. And we've mentioned him as a solid QB, but nothing great. Definitely better than Zach Wilson. Do you think Kirk Cousins is available? And if so, should the Jets consider going after a guy like that? This is a very, very interesting discussion because the Jets clearly need a quarterback. Zach Wilson's trash. He's been trash. You know, he made that one sick throw going to his left off of his right foot at the pro day, and ever since then he's been living off that throw. So he has not showed that he's a capable NFL quarterback, and he's not showed that he can score more than 10 points per game. So... If the Jets do want to salvage anything out of this year, a move for a veteran quarterback would be what they want to do. Now, do you make a trade like that for Kirk? Kirk, in my opinion, is a top eight quarterback in the NFL. Definitely top 10. Just based off his production, the way he's able to throw, criminally underrated. But you have a guy like Aaron Rodgers who's going to be coming back next season. So it would really just be a filler for one year. Is giving up what you're going to need to give up to get Kirk Cousins worth it to get a player like to get a one-year quarterback solution? Yes, I think if I'm the New York Jets, I'm leaning towards yes for a couple of reasons here. So Kirk Cousins has one year left on his contract, right? The Vikings did not extend him, so this would be a one-year rental. Well, you wait for Aaron Rodgers to come back next year. And if he doesn't, worst case scenario, you could always bring back Kirk, right? Um, it really also, because of the Aaron Rodgers injury, he's not going to play enough games or snaps for the Jets to have to give up their first round pick to Green Bay this year. So sure. it's only going to be a second round pick. So the draft capital, they're not giving up as much in that trade because of that injury, right? So I think that if you really truly believe this is a contending team, and especially because your team has been bad for so long, as in the New York Jets, 
I would definitely go after a guy like Kirk Cousins if the Vikings decide they don't want him anymore, right? There's no guarantees going to be there after this year. And maybe it's not right now. Maybe it's a little later in the season if the Vikings keep spiraling and they realize they're not going to make the playoffs, which is a real possibility at the moment. Go after him, I think. Honestly, I just I don't see a world where the Jets would want to waste this opportunity that they feel like they have right now. I mean, you make a fair argument. Uh, they personally, they got to do it now. You probably got to give up a first-round pick um, to get him. But to your point, they weren't going to have that anyway. If all things went according to plan and Aaron Rodgers was playing quarterback, they weren't going to have that first round pick anyway. So you can kind of look at it as, I mean, we weren't going to have this pick. So let's just go get somebody to salvage the rest of the year. If I'm, if I'm the jets, I'm already all in. Why not? Right. It'd make things spicy. If I'm Minnesota, you got to look at it as what do I need to do to please Justin Jefferson? Cause he's the future of that offense. Right. Mm-hmm. So is going full tank mode. Cause they're currently in the lead for the tank. Right. So, yeah, I haven't already won yet. They're winning that race. So, if they go full tank mode for a guy like Caleb Williams, or, you know, this draft class is going to be loaded quarterback wise, is that going to be what Justin Jefferson wants? Because him and Kirk have had a good connection. They've played really well together uh, over the course of Justin Jefferson's career. So, do you think a move like that would piss off Justin Jefferson? Or do you think it would be something that would be the right move for Minnesota? Because for the Jets, I think if you can get Kirk for just the first round pick that you were going to give up anyway for Aaron Rodgers, I would do it. But is that enough for Minnesota, and is that the right move? Yeah. Um, I think, I don't know how Justin Jefferson feels about Kirk Cousins, honestly. Right? Like, wide receivers tend to like guys who give the football, and Kirk Cousins gives Justin Jefferson the football a lot. So you would figure he doesn't hate the guy. He definitely helps him look good because wide receivers have to have a little bit of help, right? Got to get a chance to catch the pass um, regardless of how good you are. And Kirk Cousins does that for Justin Jefferson. I think if the Vikings are able to get this extension done and they still struggle, they're going to look for possibly a new QB, new option, at least explore their options even if they do want to bring Kurt back. But another thing that doesn't usually happen in the NFL, usually don't have a starting QB in the top 15 caliber get traded in the middle of the season, right? Yeah. That's another Rarely. thing you have to think about because you have to bring in this guy, the completely new offense who didn't have a training camp with you guys and see what he can do. And that in itself would probably be my biggest concern about trading for a guy like that. But, I mean, Kirk Cousins seems like a smart guy. He's already played for two teams. He's had multiple coaches in his career. I believe he's capable of it. But, as you mentioned, maybe trying to do that trade sooner rather than later might be more beneficial because they might still struggle at first if they were able to bring in a guy like Kirk Cousins just because he's trying to get to know everybody so quickly. Yeah, I mean, they that type of trade is uh, before next week type of deal, right? 
However, my argument to the whole, you know, he's going to have to learn the playbook and they're going to struggle a little bit to start is the fact that they already suck on the <laughs> offensive side of the ball. How much worse can it get? I don't think you can actually get worse. I think it's literally impossible to get worse. You know what I mean? So they're already extremely limited in the playbook because the coaching staff clearly doesn't trust Zach Wilson to make plays. Saw it in the Buffalo game. Saw it in the Dallas game. For whatever reason, today they had him throw it for 30 times. You know, So they clearly are already hampered in what they can call because of the personnel they have. At least bringing in Kirk Cousins allows you to open up the playbook a little bit. Kirk Cousins is a more competent football player by about five times than Zach Wilson is. Okay. Yeah. So my argument for the whole, will it work? No, they're going to obviously struggle at at first, but I already kind of predicted this team to go at best with Aaron Rodgers three and three at the beginning of the year, just because of their schedule. So if they're going to make that move and they're going to go all in for this year and next year, they got to do it now. They got to get on the phone. And I think it's more of a question of whether or not Minnesota will do it rather than the Jets. Yeah. I also think a big thing is with Zach Wilson is he might really need Aaron Rodgers to be around him, right? Because he played pretty solid in the preseason. He didn't look bad. He actually looked much improved. And then he goes back to the regular season, Aaron Rodgers is away from him, and he looks just like the same old dude that we saw last year, right? Exactly the same. I wonder if maybe having Aaron Rodgers come back to the team once he's been recovering for a little bit, be able to work out in the Jets facility, be on the sideline for games, would help out Zach Wilson? Because I think Zach Wilson has the talent, and he's definitely talented enough to be a starting QB in the NFL. I think it's more so his understanding of maybe the game or his decision making or how he plays under pressure. Not exactly. I can't say for sure. Cause I don't know the guy, but there's definitely something more on the mental side of the football game that he struggles with because he has the arm talent. He can definitely be accurate at times. He's really athletic, but he just hasn't put it together at all so far in his NFL career. Yeah. It's tough to see guy had a lot of hype coming out of college um, and clearly has big play capability, at least in like his ability to throw the ball, how he can throw it. That's what everybody kind of drooled over coming into the draft. But he just doesn't make the right decisions, and he's shown time and time again that he just can't handle the pressure of an NFL defense, whether it's he can't read it, whether it's he's scared for his life, whether it's a little bit of both. You know, he just doesn't really have the presence it feels like and he doesn't strike the fear you know that most quarterback like a caliber a, a, a quality quarterback in the nfl can and kirk cousins man the that, the dude's a walking 300 yards per game passer so that will at least open up the offense and they'll score more than 10 points a game yeah and kirk cousins is knock really is can he win big games in the playoffs he proves he's a great regular season player. He has a lot of talent. He players around him put up good numbers. They have good offenses. And that's a lot, I think, better problem to have is if your QB can win big-time playoff games than if your team can score 20 points on offense. So 
Kirk Cousins does seem like he could be worth it for the Jets. Again, I think it just comes down to whether or not Minnesota will do it. You know, if they want to go full tank mode, kind of call the season a wash, and if just a first-round pick is enough draft or if, is enough in return for a guy like Kirk Cousins, right? Mm-hmm. So, very interesting. Do you think that will? Do you think something like that will happen, or do you think the Jets will just proceed forward and finish the year three and five, three and fourteen? With so, Zach Wilson. from what I understand, Carson Wentz and Matt Ryan reached out to the Jets wanting to play for them, and they said, nah, we're good, right? They would rather have Zach Wilson than one of those guys, which I think Surprising. makes sense. For me, it makes sense at this point in both of those guys' I guess both career. of those guys had very bad runs in Indianapolis. So. Yeah, they neither of them have ended in recent memory the last couple of years very good. And so I could see why they wouldn't want to bring in someone who maybe is just a little bit better, right? When they already have a guy who's been there and knows everyone, he knows the offense, right? I don't think it would make much of a difference for the team, honestly. Uh, So I think they would have to, the only way they're going to make a move is if they have an opportunity to make a big one. But if I had to predict what will happen, they're not going to make a move. This will be their team that they ride with for the rest of the season. They'll probably sign a backup QB at some point if they haven't already, but I don't, I don't think they're adding any special talent at QB this year. Yeah. Tough to say, but that's probably what will end up happening. I'd still give Minnesota a call. So just see what's up, especially after falling on three this week. That's a hole that's pretty much impossible to come out of. So absolutely. Well, Thanks to everyone today for listening. Those were our big key moments from our week three recap. Next episode, we're going to be going over our updated power rankings list. So make sure you tune in for that. Don't forget, if you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe, like us on Spotify, check out our TikTok. We, pre- we appreciate everyone who listens. And until next time.